You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question. This is a softball for you. Dear Michael, since I heard you teach on Moody Radio, I've been studying mostly from the NASB. I preferred it to all other versions before I heard you, but when I heard your reasonings for preferring it to others, I was even more convinced it was the best. So Just we'll stop ha- right there. So, <laughs> we'll have to, we, so put a pin in that. Well, you can explain your reasons why. And she says, even when the ESV seemed to be the quote-unquote chosen one by, I won't name him. But, oh, no. Oh, I love Dr. Lutzer. Right. I love Dr. Well, Lutzer, Well, I know you too. love Lutzer, but... He's a friend. I know. So she's still stuck with the NASB. The past few weeks, she's been studying Romans 7 through 8, and she likes how the ESV is written for these sure. verses. Do you still think NASB is the closest to the original text? She says you're... She has some... Um, you know, positive things she says at the end, but she says, you are a good teacher. You're not going to read all that? No, I'm not. But I'm going to let everyone know that she said you're a good teacher. Well, number one, great question, Judy. Let's talk about dynamic translations, literal translations, just a little bit formal equivalency. So the New American Standard and the King James are what sometimes are called formal equivalency. Then there are categories called dynamic equivalency. Mm -hmm. So there's no such thing, Judy or anybody, as a word-for-word translation. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Now, you'd think you could take a book and say, let's translate each word. But there's syntax, there's idioms. Wouldn't make any sense. Right. You can't can't do it. So understand the, the, the background of a language and how we bring it into English. And let me also add, English is one of the most complicated languages to begin with. When you grow up, you don't know any different. Right. But the illustration I use is go, went, gone. Go and gone makes sense. Why don't we say go, goad, gone? Right. So went is what I call a suppletion. It's a word that's added, and it makes no sense in a declension of the verb to go, but we all know to say went when we're talking past tense. Now, that's a silly illustration to make a bigger point. Translations are complex. The New King James and the New American Standard versions, in my view, I'm not you know, the definitive final answer, are the best at the attempt to have a formal, literal translation or a rendering of those passages. The ESV, and I have dear friends who are involved with ESV, Wayne Grudem and I have had this discussion on more than one occasion. The ESV was a complete revamp of the RSV. The ESV is a very good rendering. The reason I don't prefer it, and I did preach out of it for almost two years, and I used it from time to time, and I liked reading it, They make some what I call interpretive glosses. They're not horrible. I just think they're a little less accurate than some of the NASB renderings. In the front of your New American Standard Bible, and I would encourage you, no matter what Bible you use, to read those pages everybody turns by. Oh, man, no kidding. They're so helpful to understand. So much information. Yeah, yeah. the preface of uh, the translation. In the, the Lockman Foundation, it's not even two pages in the front of the Bible that explains things. And when they did the update in 95, they took the the, thou, hast, dust words. They, they changed those. They didn't change the literal nature of it, but they made it a little more readable. That illustrates the audience of readership over against a translation. King James is actually a very good translation. It's built on the majority text, an oversimplification. Let's say we have, in the Old Testament, we have what's known as the Masoretic text. And that is 
essentially, let's just say one copy. Now, not literally, but it's a very agreeable copy. The New Testament is completely different. There are fragments, there are scrolls, there are portions of the New Testament from different times, different places. And so let's use Dr. Horner's illustration. We have 120% of the information. Okay. So the goal of the New Testament translation is to say what was more than likely the actual, you know, what was what was said at the yeah, time. Yeah. Now, a silly example, the phrase, the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. Another one says the kingdom of God. Another one says the kingdom of God in Christ. Unless you see that four or five different manuscripts, which one's right? Well, none of them are theologically in error. So the majority text, and again, this is an oversimplification, would say, what did the majority of manuscripts say when they rendered that translation? Yeah. So if we had a hundred of them that said the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus, we'd say, okay, let's go with that one. Yeah. The other view is, let's just call it the harder, shorter reading. So if there's a phrase that doesn't make a lot of sense in Greek, the idea is the translator would be more inclined to add a word to clarify it. You've done the thing in school. Did you ever do it where they write a sentence and you pass that around the class and every person rewrites the sentence? Okay. And by the end, 25 kids later, it's a completely different sentence. <laughs> Just because there's a... a pre- or there's that one kid that it, changes the whole thing well, on purpose. It, it, or, or it's an error <laughs> yeah. or a mistake yeah. or they added a word. Yeah. Um, it's not malicious. So that's a good illustration in the New Testament and the copyist errors sure. that happen. So all that said... When we're working with translations, we have a a large corpus of Greek New Testament documents and fragments. The Old Testament is a little bit different with the Masoretic text that was so well preserved by the scriptorums. If you go to Israel, we'll take you to the Essene community, which is south near the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. And you've been there. Mm -hmm. And we we show you this was probably a place where they copied the Bible. And if they made a mistake... They put it in a crock, and they buried the crock in the desert because yep. you can't destroy the Word of God. And 1947, when that boy threw the rock and heard a clunk, found that was the these, discovery yeah. of the so-called Dead Sea Scrolls. So that gives you an illustration of how these things. Now, formal equivalency, King James, ESV, uh, New American Standard, dynamic equivalencies like your mom now is reading the New Living Translation. Yeah. Why, I don't know. I love it too, though. I mean, I read it in conjunction. I I like to like look at the NASB, look at the NLT, throw in the ESV. Bingo. Sometimes I open up the message, Dad. Talk about the message for just a second. You get 10 seconds. You get 10 seconds. It's not a translation. It's not a Bible. Next point. It's a paraphrase. That's right. It's not even a paraphrase. Yeah, I mean, it's someone like read the Bible, (laughs) someone being Eugene Peterson. Yeah, I'll stop right there. Um, But... (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, as we were saying, um, so so here's the thing. And Hannah, you're exactly right. For anybody who's going to study the Bible, use more than one translation. Yeah. Totally. And with software, as you know, I'm a big proponent of Logos. In fact, a shameless promotion where I get no kickback or anything, Faith Life has a lot of these resources are free online yeah. for your small group, for your church, and you can do parallel translations side oh, yeah. by side I'll, if you want yeah, on your I'll tablet. I have like four to six yeah. up on my screen yeah. at once. Yeah. So, so the, the short answer is yes, I still prefer the NASB because I do think it is more faithful to a grammatical, literal rendering. I don't think the ESV is terrible. I don't think King James is terrible. I think they all have strengths and weaknesses. But the the last thing I'll say, well, two more things about NASB. Every time they translate 
in my view, the most important Old Testament word, loving kindness, chesed, they always use the same word, loving kindness. ESV, and I haven't checked this in a while, always uses steadfast love. Okay. NIV and others change it. It makes it up. (laughs) Mercy, love, yeah, yeah, kindness, and those are fine synonyms, but being such an important word, I want to know when I read the word loving kindness. Yeah. And or steadfast love. The other thing is the divine pronoun, and yep. this has become a huge. I think uh, it's the only translation that has the divine yep. pronoun now, and that's why I'll, yep. I will never like. I mean, I use the NASB every day when I'm looking at other translations because and, and, it's the only one. It's and crazy. I, I've written some of these people in high places, and the answers I get are so discouraging. Uh, the the best one I heard was it clutters up the text. I went since when. Has it cluttered the Bible? Yeah, to me it clarifies. If I'm reading <laughs> Proverbs or Psalms, and sometimes the narrative literature, yeah. it's pretty easy to know the antecedent who he's yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. But if you're in wisdom literature, Proverbs or Psalms, good luck. Yeah. If that's divine pronoun, what we mean by that was when he, him, you, your is not a capital H I M H E capital Y-O-Y-O-U-R. I don't know who the referent is. Is it a person or is it God? And in wisdom literature, good luck sometimes. And even even though I can read Greek and Hebrew, I work at them. I'm not a scholar, but I I can use them. I wouldn't know sometimes apart from looking at the NASB to see how did they render it, that I can go back to my Hebrew and Greek. Okay, I see see how. Uh Sometimes it's very evident, but I think it's a, a, a huge loss to the Christian community that wants to study the Bible, I want to know when God's speaking or when the right. referent is God. Right. And um, so anyway, th- I'll stop there. But those are the big concerns I have, and that's why I love the NASB. Um, I, I would also say, consumption-wise, the reason many pastors, and I have friends that have adopted ESV or NIV, is because that's what their congregation uses. Yeah. And I understand that fight. And it's an easier read. I, I mean, that's why yeah. people use yes. it. Well, that was the other thing I was going to say. In NASB, uh, ESV, King James are a 12th grade equivalency for readers. Interesting. NIV, 7th grade. Huh. And probably down further with some of the other versions. NLT is probably, about. yeah. yeah younger the other than Bible that, I didn't yeah. mention is the, the Net Bible, N E T. I love the Net Bible. The Net Bible, Bible is yep. a great resource, also online free at Bible.org. And you can put up the Net Bible. You could put your NASB, your ESV, your King James, whatever you want. You're not going to waste time comparing versions. And I, I congratulate you, Judy, for asking the question. And that shows that you're serious about uh, studying the Word. So good for you. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694, or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain, and you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.